welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season three of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode 19. Let's get started. Okay, this is Fringe episode number two for season three called The Box. We're in Milton, Massachusetts, and there are three men that tied up a family and they're like robbing the place, or that's what it looks like. But down in the basement, there's two of them. They're digging this big old hole, uh, like gravesides, gravesides, and they're looking for something, obviously. And the two men in the basement, they find a box after digging. It looks like it's pretty deep. So they pull out this box, and it has markings on the top, and the markings look exactly like the, the little device that Waltonette gave Peter um, to see if it would, you know, work in his other little device, and that's the device that kind of clamped on Peter's uh, arm, so it had those same markings on the top. So the two men are kind of talking about the box, and they get kind of curious, so the one of the guys opens up the box, thinking that it must be something really, really valuable, and when they open up the box, there's a light, uh, the light bulb in the basement breaks, and all of a sudden the men are in like this trance-like state, and their eyes are glazing over, and they begin to bleed from their nose and their mouth. And the third man who's upstairs, he's coming down the stairs, because he had turned the TV on, and he's coming down the stairs to the basement, I guess, to see, you know, what the men are doing, and he finds them in that trance-like state. And one of the guys is standing up, and he's still in that trance-like state. So he stares at this open box, and he's just, like, staring at it, but it has no effect on him. So he closes the box, he grabs it, and runs up the stairs. And by the time he gets back up the stairs, he's getting ready to leave the house, he notices that all five of these family members that he's tied up, they're in that same trance-like state. Their eyes are glazed over and they're bleeding from their nose. So he runs out the house. Now, now we're at the fake Olivia and Newton in Newton's, looks like Newton's place of business. And Newton is giving uh, the fake Olivia a file on the real Olivia and telling her, you know, to familiarize with it. And he gives her this big book of pop culture. It's called a pop culture guide. And while Olivia's talking and she's kind of leafing through the book and asking him, well, who's Bono? And he says, it's Bono, you know. And he's removing Olivia, the, the fake Olivia's, that sunburst tattoo. He's removing it from her neck. So that's going to be real, real tricky to tell the real Olivia. Anyway, Newton is warning Olivia, the fake Olivia, about becoming seduced by the charming people in this world. That he's been here a long, long time and, you know, she needs to look out for it. And the fake Olivia, she gets a little testy and she tells Newton that, you know, she knows what side she's on. And she says, you know, she doesn't care how long Newton's been there, but uh, this is her operation. And remember, you work for me. And Newton just kind of looks at her and says, indeed. Mm. So at the lab, which is at the Department of Defense, a French division, uh, that's where they have their lab at the Department of Defense in the alternate, uh, uh, excuse me, no, 
we're not in the alternate universe. We're in the real uh, our universe. So at the lab with at the real Walter, Astrid is uh, reading newspaper accounts of William Bell's death. If you recall, William Bell kind of disintegrated when they came back into the to our universe, and she's reading it in the obituaries. And Walter seems a little upset, but he's a little distracted too. And and but you could tell he's kind of upset by the obituary and he says you know it really didn't say a whole lot we should have said more stuff and over to the side Broyles and Peter they are looking at the drawings of, of Walter Nett's doomsday device and Peter's trying to explain to Broyles that you know Walter Nett is missing several key components to this device and to make it work and, and, and including himself because he's one of the major pieces and so Peter's trying to explain that, you know, he is a symbiont to the machine. And regardless of how many pieces they get, the, the machine will not work without him. So Broyles is asking Walter if he knows why the machine was configured to interface with the human. And Walter gets real upset and starts talking about the Nazis and how, you know, they thought some stuff too. And, and then he leaves to go to the market. And... As the fake Olivia comes into the lab, she could, she just kind of stands around while Broyles and, and Peter are talking and, and uh, uh, you know, t trying to tell Walter that they need to understand that device. And Peter seems a little upset, and he says that, you know, what if Walter is right and they should not even be trying to figure out that machine? And, of course, the fake Olivia is just kind of looking at them because, you know, that's, we'll learn that that's probably her task. So Peter and the fake Olivia leave and they go to this uh, this bar called O'Leary's. And, you know, Peter and the fake Olivia, they're they're drinking some little drinks and they're chit-chatting. And uh, Olivia says that she, th the fake Olivia says that she thinks the Broyles is right, that they need to actually figure out what the machine does. And they cannot do that without Walter. So she's trying to encourage Peter to, like, you know, be a little nicer to Walter and, you know, keep him, keep him kind of reined in. And then the fake Olivia kind of smiles and she says, oh, man, I love this song, which is a boopah. Because Peter looks at her and he says, hmm, I, I've never known you to express any interest in music. And, and the fake Olivia seems to know right away, uh-oh, I made a boo-boo. So she just says, well, you know, ever since I came back from the other side, of, I've been thinking of a whole lot of other things different, you know. And then she gets up and, and asks Peter to dance. So they get up and they dance, and, and Peter's telling her that, you know, it was strange being with the other Olivia. And, of course, the fake Olivia's just kind of, you know, looking at him and stuff. And then she gets a phone call, of course, about the dead family in, that they found in Milton, Massachusetts. So, you know, her and Peter got to leave. So the next scene, we're, we're in Milton, Massachusetts, and Broyles and Walter and the fake Olivia, they're walking through the living room, and they see the uh, five people tied up, and... They're all tied up with duct tape and stuff, but they're all dead, and their eyes are all glazed over, and there's blood from their noses and everything. But the blood does look a little light. So Broyles is telling them that a neighbor found the people, and, and uh, you know, the coroner has estimated that their time of death was about 10, 15, excuse me, 10 p.m. the previous night. So Walter says because their blood is, is a lighter shade than than normal blood, even, you know, blood that's oxidized out in the air, then it suggests that it was mixed with something else, like maybe spinal fluid or something, you know. So when they go down to the basement of this house, 
that's where they find the two men that are dead. So they figure, okay, those two men were digging in the basement, finding something, but then they died by the same thing that killed the people upstairs. So they're trying to figure out, but what were these men looking for and what did they dig up? And there must have been a third person because whatever they dug up is not there. And, of course, the fake Olivia knows what they dug up, but, you know, she's not going to tell them. So the next scene, we have the fake Olivia, and she goes back to Newton's shop, and she's telling Newton that um, two of the men that Newton hired died like they planned, but there was a third man, and he must have taken the device. So now we know that Newton and Olivia set that whole thing up so they could dig up that part. And so Newton says that, well, wait a minute, I only hired two men. And that if there was a third man, then all three of them should be dead because nobody can withstand that device. So they kind of look at each other like, uh-oh, what's this? So then we see the third man, and he's at his home, and he's just staring at that closed box. It's closed, but he's got it sitting on the table, and he's all the way across the room, and he's just staring at it. Not saying a word, he's just staring at it. Back at Walter's lab, Walter is removing the brains from one of the victims, and Astrid is, is on a little table, and she's got the brains from probably another victim, and she's kind of manipulating it a little bit, and she's looking at Walter, and she notices that Walter has a stain on his tie, because Walter's all dressed up in a suit and a tie. So she tries to, you know, wipe the blood off of what she thinks is brain matter. She tries to wipe it off of Walter's um, tie because she knows Walter has to go to the reading of William Bell's will. And Walter's kind of upset and everything. But then Walter just kind of, you know, says, well, here, you know. And he sticks it in his mouth. And Olivia, you see her face. She looks Astrid. at him. Um, excuse me. Oh, Astrid looks at him like, oh, he ate them brains. But it was raspberry jam. So, you know. <laughs> that he licked. So she, yeah, so she didn't have to be horrified, but she had this horrified look on her face. So about that time, Peter comes in and he tells Walter, okay, it's time to go. So Walter whispers to Astrid that he, he, he doesn't think he can go. You know, he can't go through with it. So Astrid tells Walter that it'll be fine. And she says, you look lovely. And Walter just smiles. So I guess that kind of calmed him down. Anyway, so next we're at Massive Dynamic, and Walter is, is uh, and Peter are walking down the hall, and of course he, he sees Nina Sharp, and uh, she comes out of her office, and Walter kind of looks at her briefly, and then he gives her this big hug and tells her that he knows that, uh, you know, Belly's death has been a great loss to her as well, and Nina looks a little uncomfortable, but she does, you know, hug him back and everything, and she tells him, okay, look. Uh, you know, we're all set up in my office, so, you know, come on in my office. So, in Nina Sharp's office, it's uh, a, a man is, is reading uh, Bell, William Bell's last will and testament. And uh, as he reads it, it's saying that, you know, William Bell has thanked Nina, Nina and Walter for being his friend for all these years. And he left Nina, he gave her an envelope, and he left Nina an envelope with a letter inside. And then... Uh, he left her an item to remember him by, and it's a glass-encased bell. It's really, really cute. But we never find out what was in the envelope that he gave to Nina. Now, for Walter, he gave Walter a letter, and Walter reads it, and he puts it in his pocket. 
And Nina's just kind of staring at him, and he's just kind of staring at Nina, but they don't say any words uh, to each other. But out in the hallway, once everything's done and they're walking, and, and Walter uh, uh, has the letter from William Bell in his hand, and so Peter's saying, well, uh, you know, aren't you going to tell me what it says? And Walter says no, and just keeps walking on, and he puts the letter <laughs> in, his in his jacket pocket. So I thought that was pretty good. So then Peter gets a phone call, and of course it's Broyle saying that, you know, he can't reach Agent Dunham, uh, who has gone to the thief's apartment. They found out that his name is Blake, and she went to his apartment and was supposed to call Peter to, to meet her there. Well, of course, Olivia has gone there. The fake Olivia has gone there uh, because she wants to try to find that box. And Broyles has told Peter that they that they were able to identify him from a fingerprint taken from that house. So, really, you know. he's asking him, what did they find? And Peter's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he's like, you're yeah. not there? Okay. Anyway, so we see the fake Olivia, and she's at Blake's house searching for this box. And, of course, Peter walks in, and they have this little awkward moment uh, where, you know, he's, he's probably thinking, mm, I wonder why she didn't call me. And, of course, she tells him, well, you know, she, she kind of recovered really quick. Because she says, you know, I knew you had to babysit Walter today, and I didn't want to upset you or anything and bother you with that. So, you know, I just came on. And Peter seems very satisfied with that explanation. So, you know, he offers to look around the house in case she missed something. And, of course, Olivia says, yes. And I was just getting ready to go and talk to the landlord. So if you wouldn't mind doing that. Fine. So while Peter's looking around the apartment, then the fake Olivia goes outside in the alley. Now, as she's outside in the alley, she's calling Newton on her cell phone to tell him what the address, what Blake's address is, and that, you know, they should be gone and, uh, within 30 minutes, and that way Newton can come on in there. But by, while she's talking on the phone, then Blake drives like kind of by the alley and he looks down the alley and he sees Olivia and he notices her badge number and everything so he's writing it down uh, uh, Dunham on a piece of paper and then we go to commercial and I'll do the second half okay cool and we next see Walter and Astrid in the lab and Walter is examining a brain um, which he basically takes out of the, the skull with a little squishy sound Astrid comes in and asks him how the reading of the will went. He tells her about a South American centipede that crawls through the nasal passages and causes damage to the brain. Astrid asks him if he thinks a bug could have killed all the people they found. Walter um, starts taking off his exam gloves and looks real agitated and upset and looks like he can't really get the gloves off. Astrid goes to comfort him and he gets out the letter that he received from William Bell and shows her that it contains a key to a safety deposit box and a letter with one sentence that says, don't be afraid to cross the line. Walter tells Astrid that he and Bell used to argue the wisdom of crossing the line and the consequences of doing so. Astrid tells Walter that he needs to talk to Peter and let him hear his side of the story about how he saved his life. Um, this gives Walter an idea. He notices the dead people from the house have severe damage to their inner ears. He um, has Peter put on some classical music while he puts on a machine, um, the machine over his head that tracks the brain waves that they had in season one. Mm -hmm. um, 
so that he can see how his brainwaves adjust to the music. He thinks that there's an ultrasonic sound that triggered the deaths of the people in the house. Silent but deadly is what he calls it. Mm-hmm. And while he says that, he goes, oh, Peter, you might want to step away for a minute. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, great, Walter thinks. <laughs> Peter goes to call Broyles, and Astrid again tells Walter that he needs to go talk to Peter. We see Tho-Livia watching um, in her apartment, or in Olivia's apartment, watching a video on her computer of Olivia discussing a case and looking at a file folder with information about Olivia. She realizes that Olivia has a photographic memory and wonders how she's going to be able to pull that off when she hears a knock on the door. She shuts the laptop laptop and puts the file and some other strange-looking items in her briefcase. Um, she grabs a gun from the side table and opens the door, and we see the man who was at the home invasion that survived, Blake, Blake standing there at the door. She tells him to come into the house and put the box down, and he does, and when he gets in the house, he says, please don't hurt me, Agent Dunham, and he says it in kind of a slurred speech, and she mm-hmm. realizes that he is deaf, mm-hmm. and that's why he didn't die from the box. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. Back in the lab, we see Walter um, talking to Peter, telling him that it was really hard for him to say goodbye to, to Belle, but that it was nothing compared to saying goodbye to his son. Peter basically tries to leave the room and say he has to go talk to Olivia when Walter stops him and tells him that when his Peter died, he lost all hope, and the only thing that kept him going and alive was Elizabeth and the window to the other world that he had. He says that he always told Belle that it was too dangerous to cross over, but when he saw that Peter was dying on that world, too, he realized that he was the only one who could save him. Peter interrupts him and tells him, well, but you kidnapped me from my family, from my world, from my home, and Walter tells him that he never intended to do that. That was not his intention. He tells Peter that he loves him, and he's not sure that today he would make another choice if he was faced with it again. But he now understands that it was wrong of him to do it, and he should never have crossed the line. Peter tells him he can't talk about all that right now and walks away. (laughs) Walter looks kind of upset. Uh, We next see uh, Olivia and Newton. Actually, Newton's in the apartment with Olivia um, while Blake is sitting in the kitchen with his back to him, so he really can't see what they're talking about. Uh, She tells Newton that he's deaf, and that's why he was able to survive the box. He, uh, she gives him the box, and Newton tells her it's too bad that the guy isn't blind and offers <laughs> to take care of him for her when she looks kind of hesitant. Mm-hmm. She tells him to just do his job and not screw it up this time. And he, um, he leaves, and when he does, Olivia walks over and gets a silencer to put on her gun. She walks up behind Blake, says that she's sorry, and then we hear a gunshot. The next thing we see her dragging his body to the bathroom or towards the bathroom through the living room when she hears a knock at the door. She leaves him just laying on the living room floor and looks out the people and sees that it's Peter. She tells him that she just got out of the shower and to give her a minute. And when she does, she drags the man in the bathroom, wets her hair real quick in the shower and changes her clothes. So she lets Peter in and he tells her that Walter apologized to him but he can't bring himself to accept it and make Walter feel better. Olivia kind of commiserates with him and tells him that he can't expect for everything to go back to normal so quickly and that everyone knows what he's going through. 
Peter says that she really has no idea what he's going through and that he saw the quarantine zone and um, saw the damage he caused that destroyed the world over in the alternate world. Peter tells her he can't get the picture of him strapped into the doomsday device out of his mind. Um, he doesn't want to turn out like Walter and destroy worlds also. About this time, Olivia notices blood flowing out of the bathroom and tells Peter that she's scared too and that they have had a really hard um, few weeks. Everyone's had a bad few weeks. She kind of starts sitting up next to him and getting close to him and tells him there's a temporary fix, which is distraction, and starts kissing him while looking over his shoulder at all the blood pouring out of the bathroom. Uh, we next see Newton going down to the subway with the box, and he sits down on a bench with a little person, basically, and um, just sits there reading his paper. The little person, the little man, asks him what's in the box, and uh, Newton tells him, well, the reality pairs in comparison to what it really is, and it's best to just leave it up to your imagination. He asks the man to keep an eye on the box for him while he goes to the bathroom, and the guy asks him for some money, so he gives him about $5 and says he'll be right back. As Newton walks away, you see him throw away the newspaper, which is your clue. He ain't coming back, dude. Okay. So as he leaves, the little man just stares at the box with this little gleam in his eye. So we next go back. We go back to Olivia's apartment, or throw Olivia, and Peter kissing on the couch. And Olivia sees blood um, coming out more and more out of the bathroom. About this time, both of their cell phones start ringing, and we, um, excuse me, and uh, we see them both look at their phones and say, one's Astrid, one's Royals. Mm -hmm. Peter says, this can't be good. So we see them and Walter um, pull up outside the entrance to a subway station where Broyles meets them and tells them there's at least five victims in there, and he has ordered all the other subway stations to be evacuated. Broyles tells him that the security camera showed a man, a small man, walking into the tunnel with a metal box. Walter notices that the dead people look like they have the same symptoms as the people they found in the house in Milton. Broyles replies that they think the box might be what the thieves dug up. At this point, a, ra a random cop comes up to Broyles and tells him that the bomb squad's ready to go and they're going to send a man down into the tunnel. Peter protests that the man will be killed and says, look, I'll just go. Walter tells him, heck no, because he hasn't had time to shield him from the sound emissions. And Peter suggests earplugs, but Walter tells them that it's supersonic, excuse me, ultrasonic sound frequencies and that earplugs won't help. About this time, Walter comes up with a plan and tells Olivia that they're going to need her gun. Um, Walter tells Peter they have about three minutes max, and then we see Peter putting on a flak jacket or bomb squad jacket, and Peter, um, or excuse me, Olivia asking him if he's ready. Meanwhile, Olivia got these big-ass headphones on mm -hmm. and her gun out, so you're like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. She puts the, he uh, the gun up near Peter's ear and fires a gun, so he kind of flinches, and turns around so she can do the same thing to his other ear. So he basically wants to make his ears ring so he didn't hear anything. Um, after she shoots the gun off for the second ear, Walter runs up to Peter to see if he's okay. And, of course, we, we can't hear anything because neither can Peter, which is kind of a cool effect. <laughs> um, Peter starts shaking his head a little bit, and then he nods and says he's fine, and then jumps down into the tunnel. As he's walking down the, the tunnel, he sees some dead rats, with blood coming out of their ears and eyes. 
and keeps walking until he sees a little man's body on the side of the tracks with the metal box next to it. Mm. Uh, he gets on the radio and tells him that he sees him. And then as he looks more closely to the body, it seems like it's kind of rocking back and forth. All of a sudden, the little man's head blows up mm. and blood everywhere. Explodes. It's kind of nasty. Um, Peter then notices the box, grabs it, and, and shuts the lid and notices that the symbols on top match the device he saw in the alternate universe. He calls over the radio that he knows what um, he knows that it's part of the weapon and remembers it from Walternet's blueprints. Bryles asks him if it's the weapon from the other side and how is that possible? And then Olivia's in the background looking suspicious. Yeah, she's always looking suspicious. Um, Peter tries to close the box, but it's damaged and won't close. So he calls over the radio that he's going to have to try to disarm it. He cuts a tube, looks like a tube instead of a wire, and checks his little noise meter machine that he's got, and it only goes down about halfway. So he cuts another tube and looks at the noise meter, and it actually increases. Mm -hmm. So he's looking, you know, kind of worried. Uh, back at the main uh, subway terminal, Walter's worried because he says Peter hasn't spoken to them in 71 seconds. He wants Broyles to send another man down in there since uh, Peter's hearing could be coming back. And then they kind of start arguing a little bit. Olivia tells them to hush and listen, and they start hearing a train coming down the tracks. Broyles yells that all the trains were ordered to be stopped, and Walter tells them that the box probably compromised all their communications. Olivia jumps down into the tunnel and runs after Peter while Broyles and Walter are yelling after her. Um, we see Peter cutting another line, and the device is still um, emitting some kind of frequency. So he then starts trying to clamp down different lines, and suddenly the frequency stops. He looks relieved and takes a moment to wipe his forehead because he's sweating. When he looks around and starts um, noticing something weird... Touches the railing and feels it vibrate. Turns around. There's a big-ass subway train coming on him. At this point, Olivia jumps up or gets up to him and pulls him to, into this little nook in the wall so that they don't get hit. Um, back at the main terminal, they're zipping up the little man's body without the head. And Walter is explaining that for an explosion like that, he must have had some kind of surgical implant like dental ceramic crowns, to uh, cause this frequency reaction in his head. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Broyles asks Peter if he's sure this is part of the weapon that he saw in the alternate universe, and Peter tells him it looks just like the parts he saw on the other side, and maybe Walter and his agents were looking for the missing pieces. Broyles asks him why the pieces would be over here, and Peter says, well, do you have a better explanation? He says, we're dealing with two universes with two versions of each person. Are you really, mm -hmm. does anything really surprise you? At this point, Walter speaks up from behind and says, bacon flavored pudding would surprise him. And they kind of <laughs> look at him like, what? <laughs> Peter tells Royals that he's, he wants to take the box back to the lab and study it and try to figure it out. Royals says that's fine. And as he gets ready to leave, Olivia walks up and he asks her if she minds um, but he has other plans for the evening, and she says, fine, you know, no problem. Um, Broyles tells Walter that his quick actions saved a lot of lives and that um, he did a good job that day. Walter takes the key that Belly gave him out of his pocket and just looks at it real worried looking. We next see Walter going to the bank and to a safe deposit box and opening it up. 
and looks inside and just has this emotional look on his face. Uh, we see him next in an apartment building, and he goes up to the door number 204 and knocks on it. And we're surprised, I was surprised to see Astrid open the door. And she's asking him what she's doing there. And he tells her that he knows what Bill, uh, William Bell left him and hands her, an em- or actually pulls out the envelope out of his jacket and tells her that William Bell left him Massic Dynamic. And when he tells her this, he pulls out a stack of, a huge stack of all these little stocks and bonds that were in the envelope. They're stock options. Right. And he says that now he is the sole shareholder. Back in the lab, we see Peter examining the box and taking notes and trying to figure out, you know, the whole point of the box. He um, also compares what he knows with the blueprint that he had of the device from the alternate universe. The last scene of this episode, we see Olivia entering a room, the room with a typewriter and the mirror, putting in a piece of paper. She types that Peter has the first piece and he is fully engaged. She waits and then the typewriter types back that she needs to start working on Dr. Bishop and that's the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Woo! That was a great episode. Yeah, it was good. I guess they're going to go back and forth and back and forth with the universes with each episode. That's fine with me. Yeah. I like yeah, it. Yeah, that's okay. I, I really like this episode, and except for a couple of things. Well, the most interesting thing to me is, did you notice the observer in the subway? No. Yeah. I didn't. Yep, as Newton is walking up them steps after he throws that newspaper away, I had to roll it back twice. Because I said, wait a minute, that guy's bald-headed with a hat. <laughs> so, so I had to roll it back. And as Newton throws the, the newspaper away, and, you know, he's walking up these uh, steps, about six steps, and, and to another little platform thing, the observer's walking down. Ooh. Oh, that was, but I couldn't tell which observer it was, but that was cool. That was really cool. How did he September? Well, not It's usually always him. Well, but he's around Olivia, but see, that was that's Newton, though. No. That's true. So, uh, I mean, it could have been September, but I don't know. But th- I I just thought that was really neat, and I thought, hmm, I, I think they did that to see if we would catch it. That's what I'm thinking. Well, he's in every episode. Well, so... You Not know. necessarily. Yeah, he's in every single episode. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Observer is in every single episode, whether you see him or not. There's websites out there that show the screen captures of it, mm-hmm. and he's in every single episode. And mm. I usually never find him, but... Mm. Um, well, I, I noticed it this time. What I found interesting was, okay, so Olivia's there working with Newton. We find out Newton's been there since she was in high school. Because mm-hmm. when she's trying, they're trying to, he's trying to get her information on Olivia from that universe and pop culture. Yep. He's telling her, oh, well, I've been here since she was in high school. Yep. She gets rowdy bowdy because apparently she don't like him reminding her of stuff or telling her stuff that... Well, she just took it like... She took offense, it, it seemed to me. Like, like he was he trying was, to say, I like run gonna, stuff. Well, I just think it was like, you know, she got offended like young people do. When you're an older, wiser person and you try to tell them some stuff, but they think they know everything, so they get all, you know... Hep up. Yeah, yeah, they get the little hackles up in a, in a roar like, you know, I know. So and she's like, this that's is the way, my mission. Yeah, that's the way she took it. You report to me, I'm mm-hmm. wearing this shebang here. Mm-hmm. 
Because apparently you can't yeah. run. She's trying to say, apparently you can't do stuff right, so I had to come here <laughs> and handle your business for you. That's it. So that was yep. interesting to see. I also noticed that when Walter was um, in the lab, very beginning when they were first examining the brains, mm-hmm. and he went to call Astrid, he called her aspirin. Oh, yeah, no, he calls her. And then when he when he got irritated, talking about them Nazis and stuff, and, and he was going to the market, he called her Agent Farnsworth. See? Yeah, he does yeah. that when he gets Yeah, when he gets irritated. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I don't like... This Peter, Olivia, kissing I don't crap. like it. I don't like them being together. I don't like it. I know she's the foe, Olivia, but he, the fact that he is accepting of her kissing on him and shit, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I'm just, I'm just really amazed that the guy at the bowling alley hasn't, hasn't appeared. No, he doesn't go to see her. He did a couple times. No. He's been to her apartment. She went to see him. He went to her apartment that uh, day. She was sitting there drinking and, and crap. Yeah. But she, and knock on the door, and there he was. He's not going to go with visit that her. game. He's not going to go visit her. Well, he he has. So I'm just surprised And we haven't seen hiding her hair of her niece. No. Her sister. They got too much to talk about first. We'll see him, but it's too early. It's wow. only episode two. Well, that's true. You know? That's true. They got too much to talk about. We got to see how the people she works with reacts first. Yeah, that's true. And apparently kissing her, Peter didn't feel nothing, but he is kind of agitated and irritated. Walter just told him what he told him, which I'm glad I agree with Astrid. He needed to tell him, look, I know you don't like me. You think I stole you, but I was trying to say you're alive. Mm-hmm. If I wouldn't have done it, you wouldn't be here. So, boo. Boom. Yeah. You know? Well... That's true. But, I mean, I don't have any objection to Peter still being a little resistant because, you know, he, he's mad. Because he's mad at both of them. Both of them, I, uh, Peter appears to be thinking probably both of them trying to use me for something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, but at least Walter's not trying to use you for a doomsday device. Right. You and know? I think that's why. Yeah. He, he just of... snatched your ass to save your ass. You know? <laughs> so, get over it. But, you know... By the time they actually get to the very end, where fake Olivia is is uh, communicating with Walternet via the typewriter, then I got to thinking, okay, so they, her and Newton planned this whole thing. So they had planned for them two guys to tie them people up, dig up that box, bring it to them, and then how was they going to get it to Peter? Because the end result is that Peter has it in the lab trying to see how it works, which is what they wanted in the first place. I'll tell you why. They knew that they would open that box. The very first scene, those two guys are in the basement before they dig it up, and and after they dig it up, actually, and the one guy says, we should look at it. He goes, "Uh uh-uh, man, we got in trouble last time. We tried to get more money for the job than what we were told to get That's the job. True. They knew those guys would try to do something, see what was in it, so they can try to get more money out of them because that's what he did on a different job. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly They knew. And then they knew that it was a weird death. It would be a weird mm-hmm. death for them and that they would, um, excuse me, that they would get the French division to look at it. Now, 
even if he didn't know, because actually, now that I think about it, I think Newton was kind of surprised that they both died mm -hmm. and just expected to have the box there. Maybe he didn't quite know they would open the box, but his whole point was he was going to put it somewhere like the subway mm -hmm. where a bunch of people would die strangely and French Division would come and Peter would recognize it and take it back to the lab to work on it. So yeah, I think that okay. was his strategy all yeah. along. I think they just didn't know that those other guys would snatch it, the deaf guy would get it. Because I think they were kind of, so I'm wrong with the first theory. The second theory I think is good. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, because the whole point is they didn't know the 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 Blake, the deaf uh, man, he was the brother of, of that one guy who opened yeah, the box, who true. actually opened the box. That yeah. was his brother. So, you know, they hadn't planned on, he probably told him, well, come on with us, uh, uh, you can help. You know. Yeah, because while he was um, staying with him for a while, I guess mm -hmm. help him earn so, some money or something. So yeah, that's true. That's and then true. I really liked, I really like how they make um, Astrid and Walter become closer, where he confides in her. And yeah. With Seth. He confided in her. I mean, he just whipped out that letter and gave it to her. Yeah. You know, when she said, you know, what's wrong? Why are you so agitated? I mean, Peter. You know, ask him, well, aren't you going to let me see it? No. <laughs> <laughs> that just cracked me up, and he just kept right walking. Uh -huh. But I really like the scene with Nina Sharp, though, because uh, that was so, she, she looked so uncomfortable what? when he hugged her. What? I have one thing to say about that scene. What? What the shit are they doing with her freaking hair? That damn I wig I know. was yeah. Did her hair fall out? What happened? Did she cut it for another roll? What happened? Because this wig, weave, whatever they got in her hair is awful. <laughs> it is awful. I've, I'm just now used to Astrid's hair again. <laughs> but Nina, I mean, they done jacked her shit all up. Yeah. They, it was so butchy. They jacked up uh, Astrid's hair too. Last, well, it's the same as last season. So, I mean, at least I'm used to that, but, oh, it was awful. Anyway, that, to, to me, distracted me from even seeing what the hell she was talking about. Oh, that didn't scene. distract me at all. That didn't <laughs> distract me at all. And, as a matter of fact, I like that whole reading of the will scene because when when the guy reading it had said to Nina after he gave her the envelope, and he said to Nina, well, and then, uh, you know, I have, uh, it's supposed to be William Bell talking, I have something else to commemorate our time, and, and it was some exotic island or something. And, right. But did you see Walter? Walter looked yeah, like, that means, Well, that was my other point of that scene. That means Nina and Belly was getting it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, but, Nina but was... But you knew that before. Now, though. Not really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't confirmed. Well, now, what was confirmed was her and Pete, uh, Broyles... Yeah. So Nina got around. <laughs> Nina yeah. got around. But she was his she was his trusty person on this side too and she helped him and everything. So you know, she helped him get over there and stuff. So But before he got over there cuz he didn't come back. Yeah, that's true. She and and William Bell was right. knocking boots. Well, it's my understanding though he did come back once. And then when he went back over, then he realized he couldn't do it again. I don't know. The whole point to me was they was <laughs> But that was cute. 
a bell encased in yeah. the glass. That was really cute. Yeah. I, I really liked that, so. The same bell he had in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of nice. So now we know that belly's gone, gone, gone. Now, another thing I was noticing is how... Anna Torf, to me, is doing a great job with the two different Olivias. Mm -hmm. Because to me, now I don't know if it is, but I never noticed her walking as, I don't know what the word is, strongly, I don't know, the way that she walks as this faux Olivia, to me, is harder than she used to walk as Olivia. Yeah. She walks, like, with with her shoulders more. Mm -hmm. She kind of, like, swaggers in somehow. Mm -hmm. And then they have her smiling and making jokes and stuff a lot more than Olivia would have to me. But the walk really has bothered me, too, because that other, the alternative Olivia, the fake Olivia, Broyles, and Astrid, they're they're more military, militaristic than in our universe. And, like, when, when Agent Olivia, like, walks into a room and stuff, she doesn't walk like the fake Olivia walks normally. What? She just doesn't, I mean, she doesn't have that, like, military-type walk. Okay, you're saying the fake Olivia doesn't walk like a military. That's what you just said. Well, I I meant the real Olivia does not walk like that. So I'm, I'm wondering how come Peter or somebody or Walter hasn't noticed. Well... When the, when the fake Olivia comes into the room and she dresses different, not really. Yeah, she does because the real Olivia she always had on some black pants, white shirt, and that long black coat. That's what she got on all the time, all the time, all the time. And when it's warm outside, then she got on black pants, a white shirt, and a suit jacket. So what was different? She had on gray pants. Well, but. No, she 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 wears different stuff, doesn't she? I mean, she, to uh, me, it was the same. She kind. looked different to I me. Mean, it was different colors, yes, but it was just. But yeah, she's making mistakes. But see, Peter's not picking up on Peter's it. Peter's not picking up on it yet. Yeah, they're not even thinking there's anything uh-uh. strange uh-uh. about her. But yeah, that photographic memory's gonna hang her ass up <laughs> because Olivia does have it. See, so. But I think or Peter's gonna figure it out. As soon as they ask her to use her ability on something. Yeah, but the Cortexafan yeah. trials, or yeah, he's gonna ask for her blood for something or to something. Spend something yeah. Or something gonna happen. But I just cracked me up the way that she's been walking. Mm-hmm. She's more smiley. Mm-hmm. She wanted to dance with Peter. Mm-hmm. I don't like all that kissing and shit. Mm-hmm. They need to let that go. But you know what? This is what I. This is what I don't get. That blood was seeping out the bathroom door. Yes. Underneath. Okay. Okay. So even though Peter and her are on the couch and Peter's back is to her, when their telephones rang and his ass had to get up and go to the door, couldn't you see that blood? Because it had seeped out. First of all, this is my thing. Why? I know they needed to show blood because they wanted to show her trying to get close to him and let him not see it. Well, distract him. Distract him. Why? Who in their hell would put him near the door to where the blood would seep underneath the door? Wouldn't you put him in the, the tub? The tub. Yeah. So that you could clean that shit up. 
And wouldn't there have been blood smeared all over the living room floor? It would have been her smeared. Dragon, her dragging his ass. She drug him. I would have said, hey, baby, come in the bathroom real quick. Ba-goop. That way, you don't got to clean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but why would... Okay, so even if you did shoot him in the kitchen or dining room or wherever the hell she shot him, there would have been a blood trail from there to the bathroom when she drug him in there. I would have said... Go to the bedroom and get something off, like, you know, something. And then I would have shot his ass. And that way, you could have just shut your door. Yeah. Well, she didn't know anybody was coming. Well, that's true, but still. You got to anticipate that shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Uh, anyway, but yeah, that was fake, fake, fake. To me, that was kind of like, okay. That was, that was. It was just for, what do you call it? A plot device to let them. That was a mistake. That was a mistake, Steve. Yeah, because yeah, that didn't make no sense. You know? Yeah, I didn't like that at all. But, but I'm not liking this kissing shit. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I like it. don't but like man, it. I sure like the fact that Walter is the sole shareholder of Ooh. Massive Dynamic. Woo! What's that gonna be doing? That's gonna be. Oh man, that's gonna be, be good. That'd be very, very good. So. Anyway, so now there's going to have to be a, another part of the device that they are going to try to get Walter engaged in, I guess. Yeah, because they need his brain power or his know-how, mm-hmm. knowledge. And I wonder if they anticipate, if Walter Net anticipated William Bell giving massive, massive dynamic to Walter. I don't think he knows anything about it because there's not one over there. That's true. Remember in the first episode? That is true. There wasn't one. But William Bell did have a business. He invented those guns and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, Hmm. I don't think he even thinks about that because there's not a massive dynamic there. That's true. But he knows that he needs whatever Walter knows to get that thing working. Because mm-hmm. Walter is behind, the Walter in this universe is behind mm-hmm. Olivia being able to go between worlds. Walter was able to go between worlds without any ill effects. He's not Peter from that world without any ill effects. So he knows that Walter has some knowledge that he needs. And he came back to get Peter, too. So, yeah. therefore, And they yeah. switched around without having yeah. puddles. Like the shapeshifter that came, they had that messed up pod mm-hmm. yep. in season two. So he knows they know something. So he wants, he's sneaky though. That's smart. That's a smart way to be sneaky. Okay, well, we didn't have any feedback for this episode. So um, if you would like to send us an email, our email address is sisterspeak at gmail.com. Our voicemail number is 972 692 7341. Our website is sistersinterview.com, and we are both on Twitter at underscore sister J and underscore sister K, and we have a Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash sisterspeakpodcast. So there's a ton of different ways to get a hold of us, send us your feedback, and we would love to hear from you so we can talk about it on a future show. That's it for now. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next time.